Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at Exodus chapter 28 today. Uh, also, the last little bit of Exodus chapter 27 that we really didn't have a chance to look at. Uh, but I know you you were all thinking, ah, you know, he didn't manage the time well enough. Well, but see, actually, it all goes together because uh, this last little bit of 27 starts to mention, finally, Aaron and his sons. And so we see actually that last part of 27 goes together with chapter 28 here. Now we're talking not about so much the building of the tabernacle and the different components like the altar. Now we're talking about the people that are in there, and particularly these priests. So uh, what is the significance of Aaron uh, and his sons, Nadab and Abihu and Eliezer and Ithamar? Uh, what, what are they doing here? What's their role? What does this Old Testament priesthood have to do with the New Testament when it comes to with the life of the Christian today? Uh, what does it show about Jesus Christ and who he is as a priest? So lots of good stuff for us to be taking a look at today in Exodus chapter 28. We have as our guest today, we've got Pastor Joel Shaltanis, pastor at Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Plano, Texas. Good morning, brother. How are you and the brothers and sisters in Plano doing? Hey, doing all right. Uh, Good morning to you. Thanks. Uh, Yeah, so I know that, you know, out here, uh, I was just talking a little bit before we started the hour here. Uh, We're, we're, you know, in Southern California, we're trying to figure out um, how to do church outside. Uh, (laughs) Oh, boy. Is that that what it's come down to? Yeah, well, you know, it's not all bad. You know, I I tell people, you know, vitamin D deficiency is one (laughs) of the greatest deficiencies widespread in the country. Uh, you know, there's some advantages, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, think about the people of Israel. They, they kind of were worshiping outside in this situation, right? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you are an optimist. You are really uh, straining hard to see the silver lining here, brother. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, okay. Yeah. I, I might, I might be on the optimistic end of the spectrum. I'm not going to deny that, but, um, yeah, but you know, there's there's some good stuff, and like you know, I mean, just take a look at this. What they're doing, they're going to be doing all of this stuff here, and they're out in the wilderness, right? But that doesn't mean that they aren't going to. I mean, it, it's just something here. The description we we talked about how uh, the gold was used in the holy of holies, right? And there's all this gold on Aaron and his sons. You know, like the priests, they're yeah, they're out in the wilderness, but they they kind of depict it as royalty. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Uh, that's true. There's a lot of gold and precious stones in the text for today. Yeah. So just just because you're roughing it doesn't mean that <laughs> there aren't a lot of good things going on, right? So, well, good to good to have you with us, and yeah, to be looking at this chapter today. Lots of stuff, lots of details. Um, I always get excited with all these different. Uh, colors and, and descriptions and art and, and gems and all that. So we we'll, want to take our time looking at this stuff. So let's, uh, without any further ado, would you go ahead and open us up with a prayer? Sure, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've given us your word uh, to reveal to us the truth. We pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive what you have, uh, want to give us here that you would help us have a right understanding and uh, guide us in the way of, of truth, that we might live a life that reflects the gratitude we have. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah, and that's, I, I really do feel that, that it is so important that we are constantly going back to the gospel to, as you said, um, just to live a life of gratitude, because it, it's just so easy to, to to lose sight of all that we do have to be grateful for, to, to get lost in the social media culture of anger. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that when I read stuff in the Old Testament like this, I think I feel pretty grateful. Not 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 because I'm like, oh well, look how bad they had it. But <laughs> though that that might be true on one level. But Can you imagine but, worshiping outside wearing a, a tunic, an ephod, a breastplate, and you know all these layers of clothing. Is that what you're? Uh... <laughs> well, well, you know, like I complain about an alb sometimes, and yeah, it's just like, what what right do I have? You know, uh, but but no, but no, not not because of that, but just uh... I mean, just how much God has done. For us, you know, I mean, because you look back on this, like all this, all this stuff, all this detail, all the the rescue from Egypt, all of this is what God has done for us. And it's a massive story. It's a long list of things that he has done for us to get us to where we are. Yes, indeed. (laughs) I don't know what what to say to that. Um, You want to get into the text? Yeah, let, let, let's go ahead. Before before we go ahead, I'm just going to read it straight through chapter 28. Uh, is there anything that you want to kind of throw out there as either like sneak preview or, hey, hmm. don't trip up over you that wanna word, Pastor up, you AJ? you want to read all 40-something verses in a row? I do, because not only am I optimistic, but you, you probably <laughs> think I'm a masochist. But but no, no, we'll just look at the whole thing. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll kind of paint a picture, and then we'll go back in detail. Okay, okay. All right, fine. All right. Very good. Well, oh, oh, well, as far as painting the detail, um, uh, uh, pre preliminary comments. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Look, okay. So we're gonna have a lot of details, and I think it's easy to get uh, bogged down in it. And um, I think that what I want to try to do is look at bigger picture things and what can we derive from this, even if we uh, aren't clear on all the details. And I think it'll become obvious yeah. when we look at. You know, if you try to compare different translations to this, you're gonna see that. There's a lot of uncertainty, and even you know the stones and the the mm-hmm. things that they've been interpreted wildly different ways. So rather than getting bogged down in the details and and insisting that this color must mean that or symbolize this or something like that, yeah. I want to get back at the bigger picture and um, why does uh, what what does it mean that God gives such detailed instructions for uh, the people who lead His worship and how they're going to be attired and uh, what can we gra- uh, derive from that? Um, bigger picture question rather than uh, getting lost in the details. Yeah, I like the way you put that about the people who lead worship. Uh, I think that that's something we, we really, really shouldn't lose sight of. And there's something kind of sneaky, actually, um, that I, I, I want to talk about, too, where it's, okay. it's one of those details that actually helps us look at the big picture. So, yeah, yeah, no, that, that's really helpful. So bearing that in mind— this this all being instruction for the worship leaders. Here we are, Exodus chapter 28 from the top. Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak all... Speak to all the skillful whom I've filled with a spirit of skill, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checkerwork, a turban, and a sash. 
They shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and of fine twined linen, skillfully worked. It shall have two shoulder pieces attached to its two edges, so that it may be joined together. And the skillfully woven band on it shall be made like it, and be of one piece with it, of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. You shall take two onyx stones, and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on the one stone, and the names of the remaining six on the other stone, in the order of their birth. As a jeweler engraves signets, so shall you engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall enclose them in settings of gold filigree, and you shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. You shall make settings of gold filigree and two chains of pure gold, twisted like cords, and you shall attach the corded chains to the settings. You shall make a breastpiece of judgment and skilled work. In the style of the ephod you shall make it, of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twine linen you shall make it. It shall be square and doubled, a span its length and a span its breadth. You shall set in it four rows of stones. A row of sardius, topaz, and carbuncle shall be the first row, and the second row an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond, and the third row a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst, and the fourth row a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold filigree. There shall be twelve stones with their names according to the names of the sons of Israel. They shall be like signets, each engraved with its name for the twelve tribes. You shall make for the breastpiece twisted chains like cords of pure gold. And you shall make for the breastpiece two rings of gold, and put the two rings in the two and put the two cords of the gold in the two rings at the edges of the breastpiece. The two ends of the two cords you shall attach to the two settings of filigree, and so attach it in front to the shoulder pieces of the ephod. And you shall make two rings of gold and put them at the two ends of the breastpiece, and on its inside edge next to the ephod. And you shall make two rings of gold and attach them in front to the lower part of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod at its seam above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And they shall bind the breastpiece by its rings, to the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, so that it may lie on lay on the skillfully woven band of the ephod, so that the breastpiece shall not come loose from the ephod. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart, when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. And in the breastpiece of judgment you shall put the Urim and Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. You shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue. It shall have an opening for the head in the middle of it with a woven binding around the opening like the opening in a garment so that it may not tear. On its hem you shall make pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarns around its hem with bells of gold between them, a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate, and around the hem of the robe. And it shall be on Aaron when he ministers, and it shall, and its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out, so that he does not die. 
You shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord. And you shall fasten it on the turban by a cord of blue. It shall be on the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead, and Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall regularly be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. You shall weave the coat and checker work of fine linen, and you shall make a turban of fine linen, and you shall make a sash embroidered with needlework. For Aaron's sons you shall make coats and sashes and caps. You shall make them for glory and beauty. And you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him, and shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. You shall make for them linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. They shall reach from the hips to the thighs, and they shall be on Aaron and his sons when they go into the tent of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place, lest they bear guilt and die. This shall be a statute forever for him and for his offspring after him. Well done. <laughs> I was I was totally thinking to myself, okay, I needed to I need to like redo that over like just one more time. Uh, but you know, it's really interesting. Um, you know, the, the part that I was getting tripped up over was the part. It was about the breast piece, right? It's so detailed, exactly how God wants this, and it certainly is. Uh, well, and, and and the thing that was jumping out at me when we read this was just how, um, how how precious this breast piece is to God. I mean, I mean, and, and what that says about, and, and what that says, I mean, to really to us, right? Because what's, what's on the breast piece, the 12 names of his, of his people, of his tribes, you know? And, and so it's really interesting because in, in some ways I feel like the, this, this priest, the way he's described is like the tabernacle in, in miniature where the, the, the priest is sort of like the holy place. I mean, it's the same stuff that the veil but from the holy of holies, right, is made of with the with the blue and the red and the uh, the blue, the scarlet and the purple, um, and then that that breast piece in the middle. Then it, it's like the ark of the covenant. I mean, kind of just by analogy, with all the gold rings and the gold and everything else. And what does that tell you if if God's people are, I mean, kind of in, in this way analogous? To the Ark of the Covenant, uh, so that, that's where my mind was going. What, what was what was jumping out at you when we were just going over this? Um, I, well, I just, a general note. I think it's interesting. I made a few comments along the way, and you know, I've read through the text and preparing for this, and yeah. know, looked at commentaries, what have you. But uh, just hearing it read aloud, you always pick up something different. And so I'm, I'm like making little notes along the way and, and marking oh, yeah. things to, to talk about. I, I just think that's such a, a, a fascinating um, a phenomenon. Um, I once had a, a pastor at a group of uh, a pastors' conference said, "Guys, admit it. Have you ever been reading the text out loud on Sunday morning and thought, oh, I should have included this in the sermon?'" Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> if you don't think that, then you're not listening. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, so, uh, look, I I just hit a couple of details and things that jumped out at me, uh, but now they are uh, within all my other marks here to be commented on. So okay, okay, um, sure. No, that, yeah. that, that that's good. That's I mean, good. Yeah. Yeah, let's just. Uh, oh, you know what I was thinking is how are you going to uh, pronounce some of these words? You said you said ephod. Yeah. I, I mean, it goes all over the map. Aphod, aphod. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, anyway. no, it's true. I, I, t- I, I tell people, you know, like the, all the English pronunciations are just made up anyway. That's right. So That's right. I, I like I, to play a little game where if you say ephod, I say aphod, just to see if I can get you to, you know, bend you, to my will and start saying aphod. Oh, no, no, I'll convert. I'll convert by the end of the hour. You don't worry about me. You got me. I, I mean, it, it's. Um, in I mean, Hebrew, I do this all day. You say in, in Hebrew, it's it's, it's it's a uh, ebod. Oh, no, it is. So, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, so right. I, I mean, I don't know that, that. So you know, it's 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 ebod, and so none, no one's saying that. So everyone's wrong. Is, is yeah, how right, I feel. So right, we, so right. we don't have to worry about it then. But, no, um, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, there's there's a, there's a few things, and um, well, well, let's just go ahead and start from the beginning, since that's yeah, a good place to start. It. Um. And when we get to the end, we'll stop. Okay. Uh, and so, <laughs> but actually, but like actually, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And um, at the very beginning, so this is the thing that is interesting uh, to me when you look at the Hebrew text. The first word in Hebrew actually is "and you," and it's it's pretty emphatic um, to use a word that I don't like uh, because I mean you've got it right actually right before the imperative, which is very striking you do not usually have that in hebrew so it's this kind of like and as for you um do this right and so it's like mm. now hang on a second what's what's up with that um and, and the thing i i noticed was that this actually goes back to chapter 27 that you had this turning point um at verse 20 where after all the description of the the tabernacle and all the the stuff, you know, the, the furniture, as it's sometimes called, you have that also. And you, as for you, right, uh, you shall command the people of Israel that they may bring to you pure beaten olive oil for the light, that a lamp may regularly be set up to burn in the tent of meeting outside the veil that's before the testimony. Aaron and his son shall tend it from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever to be observed throughout their generations by the people of Israel. And, and I think that's just really interesting as, as seeing that as sort of kind of the introduction to chapter 28, because th- this isn't uh, even primarily about Aaron. Um, Aaron and his sons occupy this office, but this isn't the Aaron and Nadab and Abihu show. It's not. It's not about them. This is about the worship life of the whole people. And the, and the first thing that is to be done is the people are to bring this beaten olive oil, um, w- which then gets put into service by, by the priests. And so I, I feel like that actually is a very nice contextualizing uh, little paragraph there, because it's showing that everything that the priests are doing is not just like the priest stuff, but it's they're really the ones who are doing this in conjunction with and on behalf of the whole people. I mean, this is this is really the, the priesthood of all believers, although it's executed here by these particular people. It's an interesting um, insight. I'm not sure how far I want to go with that. I, I think that—well, and I'll just counter it with this, that, I mean, here you have um, something very d- distinct from the people. You've got this man, Aaron— and his sons, a hereditary, you know, descendants of this man, and only the Levites, only they can be the priests. Uh, it can't just be whomever, it's not an election, it's called by no. God. Aaron doesn't select himself for this, he doesn't run for office. Uh, God says, this is the guy, and yep. his sons. 
So, you know, the other side of that is, yes, everybody, but specifically these guys, too. No, that's right. And, and uh, of course, we, we see in numbers uh, some very important moments where, you know, people decide to get a little bit democratic and God doesn't really show a lot of— uh, doesn't really seem to right. be very keen on that idea. He's like, right. doesn't go over so well. No, actually, we're right. not going to do that. Um, yeah, it. it I, I think that's that's definitely fair. And um, and, and then going back to, to the word "you" here, right? Because "you" is actually the first thing that's being mentioned. So even though his name is not mentioned here, in some ways, uh, it's kind of all under the subheading of Moses, which I think is is pretty interesting. That in some ways. You know, um, earlier in chapter 27, it was very much like, you know, hey, look, I am I am showing this all to you um, on the mountain. Right. It was like the term back in uh, 27, 8, um, as it has been shown to you on the mountain, so shall it be made. So it's like, OK, I, I am God. This is my blueprint here that I've got um, and, and you're going to go and you're going to build this stuff. But now when we sh- shift over to the end of 27 into 28, it's like, OK, Moses, this is the stuff, but now I need you to direct this worship life. And so Moses and Aaron are going to be the directors. I mean, this this is this point of, you know, okay, we've built this stuff, but people—you don't just build people, then they're good, right? You, <laughs> you have to be constantly putting them into the right arrangement and, and teaching and instructing and— um, I mean, uh, consecrating and, and all the rest. So th- it does have this really big shift onto uh, actually not not even just worship life, but teaching as it then pertains to worship life. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, I'm just um, weighing it and, and, and uh, taking it to heart. I was... Um... Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say about that. I want to. That's that. That's yeah. fine. Not 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 everything I say is good enough to have a comment. <laughs> it's. It, I don't take it personally at all. Um, so so we just we just move we just move on. Uh, Let's get into but, this. Uh, I want to I want to talk about some of these specific uh, commands in this text and, and yeah. where it's going. Let's go is ahead. that all right? We get into. Let's yeah. take a look at yep. verse two. Yeah. Uh, make these holy garments. Uh, for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. Other translations yeah. say for dignity and honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the word here is that kavod, that, that weight, that uh, mm-hmm. presence, uh, that idea. Um, they certainly sound like they'll be heavy. Yeah, yeah, it does, <laughs> certainly does. <yeah. laughs> um, you shall make these holy garments, um, you know, this holy, this idea that uh, the clothes uh, set the priest apart. Right, and these are the garments themselves are set apart for holiness. Um, and uh, look at verse three um, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood or to sanctify him. Again, uh, the clothes kind of um, set him apart uh, for my priesthood. Um, I think this is an interesting insight into well, something that should be obvious that that clothes say something about the person, right? Yes. Um, and then he goes through what they're going to make, um, which is this is an interesting point in verse 4. I want, I want to get back to this clothes and, and the whole thing, but I want to look at verse 4. It says, uh, these are the garments they shall make, breastpiece, aphod, what are we decide? Um, I, th- I think uh, we have robe. to pronounce it actually now according to the Hebrew, epod. Epod, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, breastpiece, an aphod, uh, a robe, a coat of checkerwork, a turban, and a sash. Notice no shoes. 
Um, and it's thought that, you know, hmm. Moses was told to take his shoes off, you're on holy ground. Right. That the priests would have uh, conducted worship uh, barefoot, uh, which is interesting. Hmm. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, there's no mention of it. Um, anyway, um, they make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons. Um, and the, these artisans, uh, people gifted by God, skillful, whom I have filled with the spirit of skill, uh, they shall receive these materials, the same things that were used in the tabernacle for making right. you know, the, the curtains, um, for the sake of making these garments. Um, and then it goes into the details about them, which we can, we can do, but if, if it's all right, yeah. I'd like to talk a little bit about just clothing in, in, in general and, and what it says. And, um, yeah, I think that we should, we should do that, and, and, I, and I, like, I like that point. I was just—I'm not sure where— Oh yeah, it came up. It came up actually. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it as soon as we get back from this break. Here, we're already a little bit uh, into it, oh, really? but everybody, oh, wow. hold on. We're looking at Exodus chapter twenty-eight. Here, we'll be right back on Thy Strong Word. Touching the lives and the hearts of our listeners with the Word of Christ. Sharper Iron is such an incredible, amazing gift. I thank you so much for what it's doing for me and what I know it must be doing for a lot of other people. God bless. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. Have you ever wondered if your investments could do more? I mean, a whole lot more? This is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. When you invest with us, you not only earn a competitive interest rate, but your investment goes to strengthen Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations through low-cost loans and services. To learn more, visit lcef.org backslash invest101. Hey, have you ever wondered if you can even make it through another day? Life here on this earth can get pretty tough. The devil, the world, and your sinful flesh discourage you and tempt you to give up on life. However, the scriptures tell you all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Some thoughts about those all things working together for good on the next MOA weekend this Saturday and Sunday morning, 745 a.m. Central, right here on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espino. So we're looking at Exodus chapter 28 today, talking about the priestly garments and uh, just how heavy they were. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was, that was I don't know, if, I guess we were kind of making a Hebrew joke, because the word for glory is the same word for 
uh, heavy or weight. So there, there it is. There's the, where, where's the, the guy on the, on the drum kit when you need him. So, um, if you've got a question or, uh, any clever Hebrew puns yourself, uh, if you're listening live, you've got a great opportunity to join the conversation, uh, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org, or you can hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. We got some questions that already came in that way uh, that we'll be taking a look at in just a minute. Uh, but also, I do not want to neglect to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you very much, guys, for your support of Thy Strong Word. Their website, lhfmissions.com. Dot org, the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. So, uh, brother, we were just talking about, um, yes, uh, and you know what, I should, I should just reintroduce you for everyone hopping in midway here. We've got Pastor Joel Shaltanis. Is that the right pronunciation of your name, brother? That's exactly right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I was, I was, you know, I was like, well, he is in Texas, though, so, you know, you, they, sometimes uh, they kind of go with, like, a more kind of, like, <laughs> You know, no, yeah. Hispanic pronunciation, like you know, like or, or but that wouldn't be a particularly Hispanic name with the SH at the beginning. No, um, not so much. But uh, I'm not. Yeah, you I, nailed it, I, just like you nailed Ephod. There, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Pastor Joel Ephod Schultanis from Lord of Life Lutheran <laughs> Church you. in Plano, yeah. Texas. Perfect. Yeah, it is. It is his middle name. Um, he's it actually is. thinking about I, you know um, my middle name is, one. honestly. It's it's Aaron. It's this this high priest. Yeah. Hey, see your your middle name kind of is e- so so yeah. So you're kind of thinking about incorporating some of these garments into worship exactly. out there in Plano. I've heard that's pretty interesting. Right. Um, so that's so one of so one of our listeners today. had the question. Um, so how um, how are you going to figure out like how to make this ephod? Right. Do you have a picture that you use, or is mm. there a particularly helpful diagram of what on earth all this stuff looked like? Isn't there like a picture of it I... somewhere in the study bible i have a picture of it right in front of me actually i you know if you oh. go on and google this you can you can all kinds of images and stuff and different yeah, ideas yeah. about it pop up and there's some that are pretty helpful have the hebrew explanation what have you but you see there too i mean there's different interpretations artist renderings and uh um of what it would have looked like with uh, the whole garb you know and there's there's really you know a linen tunic underneath a robe an ephod a breastplate a turban this would have been hot <laughs> this would have really been warm wearing all this stuff. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it definitely it would have it would have been li- literally heavy, you know, especially because you are mm-hmm. like wearing just chains and you know chunks of metal. But um, you know, I like what you were you were getting at, though. You know, you've got this twofold purpose that's described in, in the Hebrew text here for glory and for beauty, or for like dignity of office and for beauty. So on the one hand. We're we're doing this stuff because it's beautiful, um, and that is a, is a good reason all by itself. That when you're talking about the worship of God, we should be incorporating all of our our, our skill and our gifts, or our God given gifts, as the text says, uh, in, in a beautiful way. So that's actually a good enough reason all by itself. But then also for this for this glory of of dignity, the symbolism of the office, and you were just talking about that before we got to the break. That mm-hmm. there's this idea of you know, wearing these official garments. Yeah, I, I wanted to kind of try to bring this down to the modern day and, and ask, yeah. how does this text 
inform um, our views or our use or neglect of uh, vestments in, in worship today. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is a, a controversial subject. There are people who uh, make way too much of, of vestments on the one hand and get all caught up in them, and there are people who think, ah, neglect it altogether, who cares, we don't mm-hmm. need any of that stuff. And I, 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 you know, chafe against either one of those extremes. I think that, that uh, uh, this does have some things to say uh, about, um, well, it can give some direction. I don't think it's a command, but I think mm-hmm. it can give us some indications. I mean, obviously this is Old Covenant. It is no longer, uh, you know, commanded. We're free in the matter of, of you know, how our, our priests or pastors uh, dress. Um, still, we don't, we don't follow the Lord's commands on, on festival days, but we freely choose to, to observe certain festivals in the Christian church, and we do so to uh, great benefit and effect. And um, I think in the same way we can use vestments in a way that are, that are beneficial um, and accomplish some of the same sort of thing, the idea of a dignity of office and beauty, as you put it. And, right. uh, and that certainly seems to be the idea here, uh, do this for dignity and for beauty. Um, you know, even having special skilled artisans who God himself has given them gifts, use this in service to the, to the worship uh, of the community, or for the community to worship. And I think that's uh, uh, kind of what we try to do in the best, uh, uh, when we imply this in the best way, we bring out artisans, we bring out uh, craftsmen, people that make uh, wonderful things that can use, be used in our worship. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think at, an, at a minimum, like I said, big picture stuff, uh, it indica- you could say that this text says that appearance matters. Um, yeah. How these men are, are dressed and, and uh, how they appear when they serve in their priestly function is important. Um, it's extremely important, and, and it's, you know, there's another part of this that's uh, extremely important that comes through is that this is holy, uh, yes. set apart for God, that it's not street clothes. Um, and, and he says in verse 3 that these clothes will, will sanctify him for his duty, you know, will set him apart in this holiness. Um, yeah, no, that's that's well said. Appear, appearance matters. I, I I like it, and and you're right. You know, you get into controversial stuff, and and, and you know, I feel like uh, a lot of us have this kind of knee jerk reaction of like, oh, it's controversial, so let's just not say anything about it. You know, let, let's just kind of stick to the stuff that we all agree about. But that that's that's not what we're trying to do here. We're we're trying to not just kind of like pick and choose like what we feel like talking about, but like, hey, look, this is what God says. Let, let's it's important to him so it, it ought to be important to us and it ought to be important enough to us that we ought to think about it and even struggle with it even if it is a little bit controversial speaking the truth in love and as you were saying um you know this glory and beauty idea you know even if we don't say like okay well you know like pastors you you, you have to wear like all these gold chains and Blue and purple and scarlet yarn. It's got to be that. And if it's, you know, it's got to be linen too, right. right? So, I mean, like, we're not, right. we're not going there, but there is this idea that whatever the pastor's wearing ought to, ought to, ought to be beautiful um, in this sense. And, and it doesn't just mean, like, pretty, right? I mean, it's, it's um, I mean, like, you know, this word here. I mean, I mean the, the, the point is, right, it ought to be adding or adding to or, or being consistent with the beauty that's in the tabernacle, it ought not to be detracting from it, right? So if right. you've got and this think, beautiful also, sanctuary, right, you shouldn't be, like, putting, you know, this, this burlap sack 
on on the dude who's up in front. Um, it right. dist- it takes away from the beauty of the place that we've made for God, right? It's not ordinary, and it's not you know street clothes. It's not uh, what you see out in the world. It's something specifically different uh, yeah. for you know drawing attention to this purpose that this is about uh, worship. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's another aspect to it too that the the, the garb that the priest wore. There was all these uh, symbols in there that he had the yeah. the names of the tribes inscribed on him. Uh, that he carried this in for remembrance to remind him that he was the mediator between the people and God. I think in the same way, modern vestments uh, vestments should uh, you know they're often adorned with symbols. I have you know crosses and alpha and omega and things like that on my uh, stoles. Um, and, and, and all of these things can be used to teach. The co- colors themselves, of course, tie in with the altar and, and remind people the, the times of the church here, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I want to give. I want to talk about some more practical things about this, if I can. And I sure. You know, look, I, 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 uh, my approach in this, just in, in practice, is I, um, I, I've met these guys that get really, really all into um, you know clothing, and it's almost like they like playing dress up. And I just am not, you know, I, I think that I take a much more practical approach to it. I think it's important that you wear, uh, that it, it's a good thing to wear them. Let's put it that way. And mm-hmm. um, that it's a good tradition, that it's in keeping with uh, biblical history, but also the history of the Christian church. And I think that wearing them today unites us with that. Um, but there's just a lot of practical things about it. I mean, like I said, the, the not street clothes. But anytime you wear a uniform... Yeah, I mean, it indicates uh, that you are dressed for a certain job. Yeah, um, you're not just going about. I mean, look, if you've ever done hospital visit, you show up in a clerical collar. Yep. they know yep. exactly who you are, why you're there, and without a word spoken, they can tell you. You know, they know exactly what what you're about. It's um, practical. Yeah, it is very practical in that respect. Um, you know, you walk into a church and all the guys are wearing suits, including the pastor. Which one's the pastor? You know, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, the guy with the with the collar or the robe, you figure he's probably the guy who's the the pastor. Um, there was a rank too. The other priests had uh, garments that they were given, but the high priest had uh, more elaborate ones, and uh, we sometimes reflect that investments as well. Um, I'm kind of going at random here too. I think. Um, well, well, just to pick up on what you were just saying, though, like mm-hmm. I think that is significant. That like at a glance, like an outside observer could look at what's going on and being like, "Hey, I'm pretty sure he's the high priest because right. yeah. he's got all that stuff that everyone doesn't have, right?" And and those right. are probably priests too because they're similar, but they're probably not the high. Pri- I mean, like anybody could have looked at this and immediately gotten some sense of this right i mean like that is something how just very practically we have kind of identified everyone at a glance how how and also just how that kind of orders and structures things right um just, just kind of it's like hey look it's kind of obvious what what the order and the structure is around here there's no questions of like okay now who, who should be speaking next or now hang on which one are you supposed to go into the right. holy of holies right like no like like it's it's all it's all very like you were saying i liked what the phrase like without a word spoken right that mm-hmm. that is so important that we have all this stuff conveyed um visually and that actually means that we don't have to spend our time spelling out everything that's going on, and we can use our time and our words uh, to focus on other things, because the clothes 
speak, like you were saying about the, the symbolism, right? I mean, they speak whether or not we think they do and whether or not we, we intend them to. When people are looking at the pastor, whatever he's wearing says an awful lot. I mean, and, and so we can't be naive about this. I, I think that we, in, in, in our kind of 21st century spirit, we're just like, oh, nothing means anything except for like what I want it to, and it's all self-expression, right? And But it's like, we're not... We're being naive if we're saying like that people aren't getting a message from it, and uh, we should be stopping and asking ourselves like, what message are people getting? Right, right. Um, I, I think that um, one of the messages they get right away is that clothing's a sign of of respect or lack of it. You yeah. know, when somebody when they see the high priest adorned in all this beauty, they're thinking, okay, something something heavy <laughs> is going on here, something big. Um, the, you know, imagine going in and uh, what does it say about somebody who shows up for a job interview in t-shirts and, and shorts and flip-flops yep. versus yep. putting on a, a coat and tie? Um, you know, does he want it? Does he take it seriously? That sort of thing. I mean, what does it say about a, I mean, you could preach the same sermon. I, I one time made, made this point in, uh, when I served in Pomona. I, I was trying to, <laughs> I don't know, what, I can't remember the context exactly. I was talking to one of the older ladies in the church, and I said, yeah. well, you know, if I preach the same sermon in T-shirts and shorts, it'd be the same sermon. And she says, oh, yeah, just try it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I was just saying that, you know, in theory, the words would be the same, and yet the message, yeah, wouldn't be the same. Con- context what, is everything, right? Exactly, yeah, no, even even exactly. the con- the visual context, that, that's, 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 a, that's a good point. Hey, well, you know, okay, okay. So, so I, I want to make make sure that we get to some of these things. And yeah, yeah. this is one of I the know. questions that came in here. Okay. I think I think this is good, and we're bringing out this idea of the, the practical elements of the clothing, what what they say, right, what, to mm-hmm. observers. But okay, uh, so here's a question that we got on Facebook. But how about the underwear? All right, because That's at the very the end, right, no one's right, seeing right. their underwear. At least I don't think that was right. the style they had at the time. Right, and and it seems like it has a lot more to do with what God thought about right. how right. they were dressed than about what the people there in the pews thought, so to speak. So, like, what what do you make of right. of, so of in, that? In Exodus at the end? twenty, there is a verse about uh, not wearing, uh, not taking taking steps up to the altar, so that yeah, you don't yeah. expose your nakedness. Yep. I, I think the idea is that this is to cover up your. Uh, private parts uh, so that you totally desexualize any sort of worship uh, going on, uh, and that that Hebrew worship would have no sexual aspect to it, whereas other uh, religious uh, groups at this time absolutely had uh, sexual things going on in their worship. Um, it, it, similarly, we, did, we just kind of glanced over this, we didn't even talk about it, but God says Aaron and his sons, not sons and daughters, mm-hmm. And the idea that this is an all-male priesthood is another way in which it is desexualized. There's nothing um, sexual or, or untoward or any, any way. So I think that's what the underwear is getting at, is that um, uh, kind of covering and reminding that uh, that is to be uh, covered up. Yeah, that, that's, really, that's really well said. I, I like that. It reminds me about how scientists um, use control variables in, in their work, right? And your control variable, right, is the thing that in every, you know, you've, say you've got six samples, 
if, if, if temperature is your control, that means each of your six samples, they're all going to be at the same temperature. And why do you make them all the same? Is it because that temperature is the best? Because all the other temperatures are terrible? Uh, not necessarily. It's just that we don't want to measure temperature. That's not the thing we're focusing on right now. And, and so how do you, like you were saying, take sex or sexuality kind of out of the picture? How do you control for that? How do you make it a control variable so we can focus on other stuff in the and worship it, it experience? Looks, I, well, you, you I, make it I, the same in every instance. Right. I, you know, I think that, I don't want to keep harping on this, but another point for vestments is it does detract from the man. You, you, you're not looking, hey, what kind of suit is he wearing? Is that a new tie? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a robe, and you're not, you know, focused on him. It covers up, you know, guys like me are a little paunchy. Uh, some would say, uh, anyway, it, it covers up, but you don't notice that stuff. You're not looking at the guy. Yeah. You're looking at the uniform and realizing, okay, yeah. you, you just look past that. Um, That's right. And I, I have one more point on this that I want to make, and I think it's an important one, and it is this, yeah. that not only does all this stuff convey and teach things to the people when they see it, but for the guy putting it on. You yeah. know, do you, oh, remember yeah. the oh, first yeah. time, do you remember the first time you saw yourself in a clerical collar? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh man, I just stared at myself <laughs> in the mirror and thought, man, this is this is serious, you know. You, oh you, yeah, this, yeah. You're like, no going back be, now. <laughs> well, yeah, and and you think, you know, if I if I carry this, if I'm if this is, you know, it's a reminder to me when I get vested that I'm about to engage in something that I'm really not, you know, just me off the street. I'm not really worthy of this yet. God is place me into this office and I, you know, go into this. It, it's, it's good for me, too, to kind of get me out of myself and say, I am here to serve, to, to carry out something important. So um, yeah, anyway, no, that, that, that's my case for vestments. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think, I think that's, I think that's, that's well made um, on, on just several aspects, several points there. Um, let, let's take a look here with the time that we have left uh, at, a, at a few other aspects, though. Yes. So, so we, okay, so we kind of talked about you know the, the place of the vestments and how that how that makes sense. Um, I, I want to talk. We, we, we so we got to talk about this ephod and this breastplate. Okay, there's all these stones. There's twelve of them. They're in settings of gold filigree. They have on them engraved the names of the sons of Israel, which is striking because God's been so. Uh, adamant that they don't engrave stuff. They're like, he's like, you know, I don't even want you engraving the altar because you're going to think it's an idol then, right? Uh, but but here, it's so important that their names are on there. He's like, okay, I'll let you engrave the names. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the shoulder pieces too. Uh, yeah, the, yes, the and then holy to the Lord, right? So, okay, th- this stuff is so central here. What's the significance? Well, um, where is this? In verse uh, 29, it says, So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place. Um, Yeah. It it is uh, to uh, bring them to uh, regular remembrance before the Lord. Um, He is interceding on behalf of all the people. He is to be mindful. Uh, This is not just for first for himself and his own sins, but for... Uh, the whole nation of God that God cares deeply about. This is covering over his heart. Um, I, I think it's uh, an amazing symbol, that uh, a reminder that God is concerned and cares uh, deeply for his people. Well, and also th- that, that I mean, so we, we made this point like a couple times uh, b- before in the previous chapters, that only the high priest, you know, once a year gets to go into the Holy of Holies, right? He's the mm-hmm. only guy. Uh, but not really. In, in the logic of the text, the whole people of Israel 
is going in there because he's bearing their names. And and, and we always underestimate uh, the value yeah, and the right, importance right. of names. But in this culture, if your name goes somewhere, you're going there. Uh, by taking the mm-hmm. names of the 12 tribes, this is actually the only way possible that you can fit the entirety like all all the you know the 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 tribes and clans and all of them you you're fitting them all into this little space all into this little room um th- this is this very particular way that hey how can we squeeze in all these people into yeah, this tiny spot insight. well it's with this breastplate and with this uh with this ephod yeah yeah good insight um do you want to hit the next verse verse 30 where they have the first reference to Urim and Thummim and, and all Yeah, of let, let's talk let's talk about that. So the question online was like so is this like a divine eight ball? I mean that sounds like yeah. it might help me out of some of my difficult decisions, but like what's going on and uh yeah. I mean okay. it seems to kind of just disappear and and I don't know the the kind of thing about making decisions with an element of chance seems to have fallen out of favor. Like what what's what's going on yeah. here? Well, it, so, okay, there's all kinds of different ideas about what the words mean. I mean, the, probably the closest is light and perfection. Uh, mm-hmm. But some people say, well, it, you know, more what it's getting at is revelation and truth. Um, some have said curses and perfections. Anyway, it was this idea. And, and what's fascinating about it is you have all these commands about how to make uh, the, the, the robes, the garments, all the stuff, not a word spoken about erm and thum <laughs> and how to make them, how to construct them, what they look yeah, like. Well, and yeah. They're just introduced with no explanation given, you know, just take those things and put them in there. So yeah. they were known already by the people they of were. Israel at this time. They were. And, and to compliment what you were just saying there, you've got, it is definite articles. It's a very definite construction right. where it's like, and you will put, you know, the Urim and the Thumim. You know, you know those, right. right. We all know that. You, you'll put them there. That's where you're going to put them. I mean, I mean the, everything about the language is they're familiar and, I mean, they're right. already being used. Um, they are, if you, to get a sense of how they're used, in 1 Samuel fourteen forty one, you have this passage where, you know, cast the lot, uh, Saul's going to cast the lot, find out who's guilty. If it comes up Urim, then it's this. If it comes up Thummim, then it's that. Mm-hmm. So it really does have this sense of um, yes or no, positive or negative. Mm-hmm. You could determine that sort of thing, not just, you know, um, so the questions that could be put to it were yes or no. It was only done by the high priest, and it was in matters of national importance, not just, you know, hey, should I go out with this girl again? You know, <laughs> your magic eight ball <laughs> questions, whatever. Oh, man. Uh, oh, I mean, man. This, is, this is really heavy stuff in dividing, you know, in, in interest, going to war is another example of how they're used, um, whether the nation should do this. And it was a way and that God gave the people to define his will. And right. uh, we could say that it was eventually replaced with prophecy. Uh, you want to know what the Lord thought about this, and he gave prophets. Uh, but at this time, there was kind of this uh, casting of lots sort of thing, uh, given yeah. for a specific time and place. Yeah, no, it definitely seems to be like an up and down sort of thing, um, that, they, that yeah. they correspond in this way. And uh, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, in fact, I went to a, a school that actually has Urim and Thummim on its, uh, on its like, emblem, on its shield, was it, right? Was this Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they translate that as light and truth, like you were saying. Yeah, but, right, right. Um, but, but the point of it, actually, like you were saying, is um, it's just kind of like up and down, which, I mean, which kind of ultimately you can translate that as uh, like revelation, because the idea is it's God who is the one who is revealing this to you. It's right. not you deciding 
what it right. is. And I, and I think that's the key about this whole like element of chance thing, right? That that, that we don't appreciate that. I mean, you see this in the New Testament church too, right? Oh, yeah, when they were trying yeah, to figure about, out the replacement uh, exactly for, for Judas, yeah. right? Yeah. And well, it's like the point the was one not whom you have chosen. Exactly, and exactly. Yeah. The emphasis is on God reveal to right. us who you want. We are not even for a second going to say that we presume to choose who well, does. And yet this. they That's narrowed not how down the list. And well, yet no, they, they did. They did narrow down the list. They brought That's it down right. to somebody who must be, you know, one of us who has been a with us from the beginning and must become mm-hmm. with us a witness to the resurrection. And yep. uh, I've often asked, you know, how many churches would in their call committees, uh, you know, <laughs> narrow it down to two and then cast lots? <laughs> how many have got the I would to do honestly, it? <laughs> I, I would honestly be so impressed if they did that. I, I'm, I'm not even... and Lord, show I, us which one, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even kidding. I'd be so impressed yeah. if they did that. Because cause I, I always tell people, the worst thing about elections is yeah. that... Forty-nine percent of the people are just bitter and angry when it's all said and done. I mean, like, what a what a terrible way, in some ways, right, to to go right. about you know process that's supposed to be about consensus and unity and all the rest. You know, they narrow it down where they're like, okay, I think it's obvious to us that God wants one of these two, right? It's kind of yeah, yeah, we all agree. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. It's it's, it's one of these two, uh, but it is God's decision, and so let's have Him tell us what he wants. I mean, it's, uh, I, I think there's actually something practical, um, not, not just theological here. Well, and, and too, the idea that, well, that's not the guy I voted for. Well, yeah. it takes all that off the table, doesn't it? If yeah. we say, well, yeah. uh, the Lord chose this one for us. And wouldn't that be a healthier way in, in dealing with, you know, things when it gets difficult and, you know, rather than saying, this isn't the guy I wanted, you say, well, this is whom the Lord gave us. Well, and and on that note, kind of zooming out, right, the big picture, isn't it interesting that this symbol of, hey, it's not who we decide, but it's who God has revealed and who God has given us, isn't it interesting that that's the symbol that's right in the middle of the high priest saying, hey, look, this guy too, not who you picked or voted for, mm-hmm. it's who God has revealed, it's who God gave you. And of course, when we make the connection then to the Lord Jesus Christ, who would have picked him, Isaiah says, right? Did he have beauty and glory right. in him, right? That we should admire him or want him. Uh, he is the one who God gave us, even his shameful death on the cross. It's what we needed, not what we picked. Amen. Well, brother, I really appreciate your insights and just uh, having the great conversation here. I, I hope that you... Um, and all the brothers out there in, in Plano uh, have have a good rest of this Pentecost season. And I look forward to hearing from you again soon. Thank you, my friend. Blessings to you. And uh, until we speak. Thank you, brother. Everybody, Pastor Joel Shaltanis at Lord of Life, Plano, Texas. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Till next time, everybody. Peace. By the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.